Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the sports desk of the Lubbock Avalanche Journal and RedRaiders.com, here's your look at all things Texas Tech sports. Now, here's the Red Raider Podcast. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Red Raiders Podcast with the uh, Avalanche Journal Sports Department. I'm Don Williams, uh, Texas Tech beat writer alongside uh, AJ Media Sports Editor Carlos Silva Jr. Last week we had a, or we and I guess the Texas Tech football team had a open date, no game last Saturday, but uh, they had a ton of stuff to work on because coming out of the Arizona game, of course, Carlos Allen Bowman suffered the uh, shoulder injury. Yep. And, Tech coach Matt Wells revealed that he's going to be out for several weeks, and so they at least came at a fortunate time for uh, the Red Raiders because they had a lot to think about with their quarterback situation, at least had an extra week of preparation for Jackson Tyner, Jed Duffy, and Mm -hmm. Texas Tech taking on Oklahoma, 11 a.m. game Saturday in Norman. Red Raiders played uh, the Sooners close here last year. This week they are 27-point underdogs, however, as the Sooners, uh, number six Sooners, have been rolling. They've been rolling, and they have a really good offense and a really good defense. Uh, for those that aren't aware, they got a new defensive coordinator in Alex Grinch. I'm trying to think of all the small little notes because we have a lot of questions from Twitter. Again, we appreciate everyone that does reply to Don. I know you have a lot more followers than me, so obviously you're going to get a lot more uh, questions because everyone just likes you more than me, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I think uh, we got some real good questions. I don't know if there's any other things that you wanted to bring up uh, other than the Alan Bowman thing. I know that's going to be kind of on the minds of everyone. Obviously, we hope he, he gets a little bit better. But the the interesting factor, at least for me, Don, I, I, I kind of glanced through it. I don't know if I saw it, but it'd be interesting to see, uh, depending on how things go, if uh, Alan Bowman takes a red shirt. Yeah, it will. Um, you have that new four-game red shirt rule. Yep. Alan has played in three. Yep. And so um, my – this is just based on conjecture and guesswork. If they're acknowledging that he's going to be down for for several weeks, yeah. I wonder if, uh, let's say he's healthy with two games left in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Do you put him back out there trying to win those two games and maybe get eligible for a bowl game? Or do you play him in only one to preserve a year of eligibility for him? Now, you know, that's – that's way down the road, but yeah. uh, you wonder if it will come to that. And I guarantee you that's going to be a question that we uh, obviously get to when that point does get here. But as of right now, everyone's asking about uh, Jackson Tyner and Jet Duffy, and we'll start with that one. There's actually, uh, I was going to say, there's a handful of questions so, uh, regarding the quarterback, so we can kind of roll them into one. All right. Um, Let's see. What order do we want to go in? Um, I'll go with the first one. You just copy and paste it. Okay, go ahead and read Robert's question. All right. Thanks to Robert Powell. I'm sure you all are getting a lot of questions about the QB going forward. Yeah, I don't know why, but here's another. Do you expect Wells and Yost to have a package for both Duffy and Tyner to see who has the hot hand as they go, as they do, pardon me, with the running backs? I don't know if you'll have certain packages for both of them, but I think uh, Coach Yost kind of brought up a really good point. There, 
trying to find the best situations that can put both guys in. And he kind of gave a little bit of stuff. So I don't know how much he kind of gave away with it when he said it, but he said you're obviously not going to be playing either guy 70, 70 plays, which clearly is about a game of uh, offensive offensive plays. So certainly, I'm glad yeah, you mentioned that because yeah. I thought that was the most meaningful thing he said. Yeah, he no, said, I agree. Well, you don't need 70 plays for, for each one because yeah. uh, there's, that's probably not how it's going to happen. Yeah, so I mean if you divide that by two – I'm not a good math guy, but I believe that's 35. So you can look at 35 plays for each guy, or if you want to see, as we've kind of talked about, as we kind of go into these other questions, Jackson Tyner's obviously been the first one that they've called off the bench, but the caveat is they've had this bye week or open week, however you want to call that. So maybe you have a little bit more time to prepare Jet for something else that you want to see. Certainly it's something that Oklahoma is aware of. They have played against Jet Duffy. Jet Duffy actually got him within two last year uh, in that game where the Sooners came here to Lubbock and uh, got got them within two. Unfortunately, uh, if you remember correctly, Don, the Sooners had a 99-yard uh, interception return on a two-point conversion. And uh, from mm-hmm. there, that was kind of all Sooners at that point. But Yeah, but back to uh, you know what David Yo said on Tuesday – he and Matt Wills have both been adamant that both these guys are going to play. Yes, and they've both been in a competition. They would not uh, divulge what exactly their plan is. Obviously, mm-hmm. they don't want to give away too much Correct. to the sooner. So Correct. they wouldn't say whether that's alternating series or, or you know how it's going to work yeah. out. They just said they're both going to play. They said that they went back – Ever from the from day one here, and they charted what each guy's done all these practices. What Jackson, what Jet Duffy has done since mm-hmm. the spring, what Jackson Tyner has done throughout August. You know, I think it's been telling that uh, through the first three games, both in terms of their playing time in the first two games, and then when Alabama got hurt, Jackson Tyner was clearly been the top backup. He was yeah. the first guy in against. Um, Montana State and Utah, yep, and he was Utah. the first guy up to warm up when Allen got hurt. Now, um, Jed, obviously, his credentials, or at least his playing time last year, was more than more than Jackson Tyner. So, um, yeah. I don't, so I don't know exactly. Uh, Marty asked, Marty Drake asked, are they really going to split time at quarterback, or is it most likely Jets to lose? I, I don't. I think, think it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's Jets to lose based yeah. on uh, based on Jackson Tyner being. First guy, first guy in. I think if anything, you may have them. I know I hate using the term uh, if you have set packages for these guys or wildcat, but I think Jet Duffy is your option for if you want to try and confuse the Oklahoma defense to where you have a guy that can run, has shown the ability to run, has that Big 12 speed to help you if a play does break down. But I think if, if you put Jet Duffy in, you're going to put in him in a situation where you don't have too many options to look for. You kind of know where you're going to go. Jackson Tyner might be the guy where maybe if you get some good protection, you could see some some uh, deep threats. Yeah, now Scott Lucas asked, why do people who presumably watched the same games I did last season even consider Duffy as an option, much less a favorite? And Scott kind people, of alludes to, I mean, you go back and look, Jet Duffy threat. made some plays, but I mean, in the Texas game, yep. he had three turnovers deep in Longhorns territory, Kansas State game, turnover deep in KSU territory. West, West Virginia, Virginia lost game. the game. Led the comeback, but then yeah, threw and the then pick threw six. Through that, and it, that was a tough one, too, because you really had a chance to get a big victory against West Virginia. I believe they were ranked at that point, too, when they came into Lubbock, so... 
again, he can win you. He can win you games as he's shown against TCU. Done again. We're going to try and be a little bit balanced here. Obviously, he has uh, the, uh, not the 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 decision making you wouldn't like to see from a quarterback, but he certainly has some other talents that allow you to think, okay, he could be good in these situations. And I think that's really the thing to take away is think of situations where Jet Duffy could be a positive influence, and those are probably the ones that you will see him in. And if I had to guess, it, would, it wouldn't it would be in a third and 15 situation, or maybe it could be if you need a guy to scramble around or if you think something's going to go awry. But if, if I were to see Jet Duffy, I would guess the second or third series and see how he goes from there. If he doesn't fare too well, my guess would be it's Jackson Tyner getting a majority. Again, that's just a total guess on my part. Yeah, well, here's what I think. I think what you're going to see is regardless who starts, um, they're hoping whichever guy's in there at any particular time gets hot. <laughs> gets hot. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that, that some guys consistently moving the chains. So he's putting the football in the end zone. Get good rhythm and getting good rhythm. And if they see that from whichever guy, then the dual quarterback system is out the window. And yeah. I think whoever's out there first is going to get the opportunity to keep it going. If he gets, you know, if he gets something. If he gets some momentum going, they're, they're going to hang with him. If not, it may be a little bit back and forth. Now, I know it's not a question on here, but I just kind of want to pose this to you, Don. But how important is it going to be for this offensive line to just have that chemistry back? I know they've been going uh, a lot of guys in different spots, but you have potentially Jack, Jack Anderson, Terrence Steele back uh, for you on the offensive line. You get a little bit of chemistry going, and hopefully the offensive line gets a little bit better. Do you think that's going to help at all, or do you think? Well, it's got to. It's yeah. got to because those guys have to play better than they did against Arizona. If they don't yeah. play better than they did against Arizona, then um, – then it's going to be a real long day Saturday up in Norman. Uh, going back, though, to what Scott asked, why sure. do people even consider Duffy as an option or a favorite? He well, beat TCU. He, he beat TCU and also Jackson Tyner. You know, Jackson Tyner never won the job really for any extended stretch at Rice, and his career numbers mm-hmm. are underwhelming when you look at, you know, career career totals for a grad transfer. He's a little over 1,000 yards passing. He had only three four touchdown passes. And he's thrown seven interceptions, so his numbers are not exactly inspiring. And even though he's only been out there for two series this year, 0 for 3 passing, so he hasn't made much happen in the limited time that uh, he has been out there. But he beat TCU, Don. Just remember that. Beat TCU. You're talking about Duffy. I was talking about Tyler. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm My bad. Let's go to Fabio Naldino, who asked, is it too soon to label Alan Bowman as injury-prone and thinking about moving on in 2020. Uh, Yes, I think it's too soon. It's too soon to label Alan Bowman injury prone because here's why. The hit that he took against West Virginia. Freak accident. The hit. (laughs) You know? Well, I mean, when two guys hammer you and one guy weighs 270, when one guy hits you in the ribs, he weighs 270. Another guy hits you in the ribs on the other ribs who's coming on a blitz. Uh, I think there's a lot of guys who would suffer a collapsed lung or broken ribs in that situation. When you get hit the way Alan Bowman did against Oklahoma, I think there's guys who are going to be injured from that. And And same thing with the Arizona hit. I mean, you get uh, taken down hard into the turf and really kind of, kind of, I don't know what the word is, but he's ground along the turf for a couple of yards. Should have been a shoulder. flag. Let's just throw that out there. I mean, it was a rough hit. Yeah. Was, I think it's a clean hit, but uh, that's the old school in you. That's a flag. It was a now. clean. It was yeah. a clean hit by Tony Fields, but it was a uh, it was a tough 
I mean, it was a tough old school football play. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the old. But here's my, here's my point, ahead. though. Those three hits, a lot of quarterbacks would have uh, would have not gotten up from those, or would have yeah. been injured from those. So, I don't think uh, I think it's unfair to call Alan Bowman injury prone because I mean he's been he's taken some shots that would have uh, injured I think a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, and I guess uh, the only point I'll I'll bring up is technically that second one may not have had to happen if he didn't run run obviously to the goalpost to try and make that play but again that just goes to show the competitive nature of him even after that devastating shot he took against Arizona still came back and showed his toughness there as well so I mean if anything you can label him as a tough son of a gun yeah yeah now Fabio asked also about the implications for 2020 I will say this uh Allen has you know missed so much time last year and obviously he's going to miss a bunch more time this year. Yeah. Uh, I think it could set up a very interesting quarterback situation next year because Maverick McIver, those first couple of weeks in preseason practice, was yeah. pretty impressive. It wouldn't surprise he, he's me. He's missing if, time uh, too right now, though, Don. He's missing time yeah. too. You're right. Yeah, so. But it wouldn't surprise me if uh, going into next spring, if Maverick McIver's not uh, really seriously in the hunt for – starting quarterback job you could even see that or i mean maybe if if the coaching staff feels they need to they can look the juco route see if they find someone there but i i agree with you there's certainly a lot of talent uh, to be found it'll be interesting to see if i know i know i brought the situation up to you earlier if allen will take a red shirt I, I i would imagine maverick would probably take a red shirt if they had the opportunity to because well, he'll probably get that this year presume you know yeah we'll see but guff go for it uh, second question by Fabio. Don't you guys think Yost's offense is way too basic for Texas Tech and Big 12 standards? I wanted to ask you this question, and you kind of brought it up a little bit um, the last time when I asked you this question, but I think uh, just for anyone that's li- re-listening again, didn't Mike Leach's offense look like this his first year? Yeah, I yeah. mean, Burl Pettit, uh, the, the, first, the first year of Mike Leach, Mike was very unpopular in Lubbock, yeah. and his offense was very unpopular People forget that. And it did not look very good. It looked a lot like this offense does right now. Yeah. Uh, people were like, oh, my goodness, these little horizontal, all these little horizontal passes. Screen pass, jailbreaks. <laughs> you know, Burl Pettit, uh, old AJ sports editor emeritus, wrote that he didn't know that you could complete three passes and punt. That's how That's how pop gun an offense Mike Leach's Completion offense Completion percentage is off the charts, though. On. You know, <laughs> it looked a lot like this. And, you know, Neil, the first year of uh, Tommy Tuberville, Neil Brown's offense, people hated that. Uh, and so this is kind of the only guy in the last 20 years who's kind of avoided that is Cliff Kingsbury, who the offense looked pretty good for, from the from the beginning when they got off to that 7-0 and start. Uh, I think it's too early to ju- judge David Yost because what you have to take into consideration is he was in the Big 12 for – 12 years at Missouri yeah. from 01 to 2012. And those are some very good offensive football teams. Chase Daniel was pretty good. You know, he was the quarterback's yeah. coach that whole time. Had uh, Brad Smith on the front end, then Chase Daniel, then Blaine Gabbert, who yep. was a first-round draft choice. And then people forget a guy named James Franklin was his last yep. quarterback there. And James Franklin is still playing in the Canadian League. So he's yep. had, he had four very good quarterbacks. Now, David was not the offensive coordinator the whole time there, but I went back and looked at the years that he was offensive coordinator, and he was OC from 09 through 2012, and they went from 09, they were they went from scoring offense, they went from number 49 in 2009 
to number 45 in, or pardon me, to number 43 in his second year to number um, 30 in his third year. So he got better. In his fourth year, they didn't have a very good football team, and the offensive yep. numbers went south. Then you look at his uh, last couple of years at Utah State, the offense went from um, number 51 in scoring offense his first year, yep. two years ago, to number two in scoring offense, one of the top offensive teams in the nation. Fine Texas Tech last, last year. At Utah State. So his offenses have gotten better in the years that he has been offensive coordinator. Again, I think you have to to judge David Yost and how well his offense fits in the Big 12. I think you have to look at the body of work, what those guys did at Missouri when Gary Pinkle was there, and that was some of the best football teams Missouri's ever had, and they had a they had a ton of they had a ton of offensive skill position talent, and I think it'll be it'll be helpful to them when they can finally recruit and sign a tight end who fits this offense because at Missouri they had Chase Kaufman, they had uh, Martin Rucker, and they had Michael Agnew from Plainview. Every one of their all three of those tight ends were guys who were. Like first team All American, John Mackey Award winner. So if they can, they know what they want. If they mm-hmm. can get that guy here, then the offense is going to look a lot better. So I'm just going to make my point real quick. How many games have we gone through, Don? Only three. So you're telling me people already want to already want results in game three? Of course, it's college football, Carlos. So I, I mean that, that that's basically my point. It's it's a waiting game. There's a reason Matt Wells was signed to a six-year contract. I, I feel like I'm broken record on this, but give them a couple years, at least three, so they can recruit some guys that they're looking at, as you alluded to. You technically have three guys, maybe Travis Coons, who is a potential tight end option that they are looking at in terms of what they want. But the thing is, is you still have to find some good wide receivers. Yes, you got TJ Vasher. Yes, you have Eric Izukanma, but they have to get used to this style and system that David Yost is trying to implement. And not only that, but then you're just trying to adjust to all the other things that are happening in the Big 12 and all the other teams. I think the one thing that you can take away that is a positive right now, now again, it could be a deal where you said, hey, third down defense looks really good right now, but give it, give it a week. The defense looks really good. The defense does look really good. Yeah. I think that's the only positive I can say. Knock yeah. on, knock on wood. We'll, we'll, Fake wood or particle wood, whatever this we'll, is that we're we'll talking on. We'll see if it still looks really good after Saturday. Yeah, but I think that's that, that's really the biggest thing. Is I think a lot of people. I don't know why. I don't know what society is. I don't want to go on one of your rants, but it's three games. Again, keep in mind it's Oklahoma, so it, it may get a little crazy. But I think that the biggest test will be when Oklahoma State comes to town. I think that's going to be my big litmus test to see how Texas Tech faces a team at home in a Big 12 game. Oklahoma will be interesting just to see if you can kind of slow them down and keep everything in front of you because they've got so many offensive weapons. Yeah, a couple more thoughts. A couple things sure. you said made me think of a – gave me a couple more thoughts. You referred to, I think, Eric Azucama, who's a guy who has a lot of talent. Yes. Um, was a high-profile recruit. The ability's yep. there. The size is there. Yep. He's competitive and makes plays. But I think it's. I think he's got a guy who, when he's a junior and senior, is going to be a really good Big Twelve wide receiver. Again, you have to wait but, <laughs> for, yeah, for, for it those. Requir- yeah. It requires yeah. a little more. It requires yeah. a little more time. And then yeah. the other thing is, you know, people have been critical of Yost's offense because it is uh, it's a lot of short passing. But he said, you know, the reads are deep. Too short. Yep. So the quarterbacks are looking deep, 
they want to throw deep. Yeah. But those options either haven't materialized yet or the quarterback, Alan Bo- in this case, Alan Bowman, hasn't been comfortable with what he's seen yeah. based on coverage. But I think it will. they will throw deeper as the year goes on. Now, call me crazy, Don. And again, I, I really don't want to just stay on this one kind of topic, but I really feel this tempo thing has some sort of merit just because you talk about looking deep to short. The more passes you throw that are short, defenses may cheat on you, and the more tired you get, maybe you're going to be off off kilter a little bit, and that's when they kind of make these big plays. And I think yeah, that's well, when they have made those big plays. Yes, granted, you can say whatever you want. It's Montana State, UTEP. But, again, you just have to kind of watch some of these small little intricacies. It's not going to be a, a, f- a finished product yet. I mean, Matt Wells has said that himself. They're, they're a work in progress at this point. But th- there are some positives to take away, one being the defense and one, and the next one, which people hate to hear, give it time. Well, uh, moving on, Chandler Anderson asked uh, – he kind of echoed Fabio's question okay. and said, uh, follow it up with, is it possible that Will Staff is recruiting next year's potential starting quarterback, whether high school or transfer? And asked Carlos, they already have next year's quarterback in this class, yep. Donovan Smith and yep. Friendship. He's really good. Looks really good. I don't know. You had not got a chance to see him in person. Have you got a chance to see him in person? I have not. I have not had the pleasure because I'm always stuck in the office with I you. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, here's a guy who's 6'3". Alexis has seen him and said she that he can fling it. Like, he can actually toss the ball yeah, really I mean, good. 6'4", 190 pounds or so, yeah. and is off to a really good start out of friendship. They yep. had that prolific game against Lubbock Cooper a couple of weeks ago. Four overtimes. Friendship won 61 to 53 in yep. four overtimes. So you've got a uh, promising quarterback in next year's class. As we alluded to earlier, you have a promising quarterback in this year's class yep. in, in Maverick McIver. I think my guess is they will probably be content for next year that if all those guys are healthy, it's going to be a, a good situation. I mean, you, you always, at least from my perspective, at the few time, the few years that I've covered recruiting, you always get a quarterback every year. Whether or not it's the JUCO route, whether or not it's a high school route, you always want to get a quarterback because you can never have enough. And this year is kind of a huge example of it. I mean, you had four quarterbacks. Again, for those that forget, McLean Carter was on the roster, transferred to Rutgers, so you had a bunch of quarterbacks. It's just sometimes some some crazy things happen, but they have a, a deck that they're dealt. They're going to try and figure it out with Jackson Tyner and Jed Duffy at this point. You know, Derek De'Ara King is sitting out down in Houston. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He says he's going to just sit out and stay at Houston, but, uh, you know, his great uncle was an all-Southwest Conference offensive lineman at Texas Tech. So you can cross your fingers. You're starting it. You can cross your fingers and hope. Um, no, that, that's not I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying he at least has breaking ties. news. Don Williams. He at least has family ties yeah. to Texas Tech. Well, well, my favorite Twitter tweet or Twitter, I don't even know how to say it. My favorite tweet that I saw was uh, Derek King is looking to be the next Heisman Trophy winner at Oklahoma. Yeah, so. I think a lot of people are expecting that. <laughs> yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, Rob Verby. We know Rob Verby, right? Rob asked us, should the Red Raiders consider running the triple option against Oklahoma? Oh, my God. That is so hard to even implement, much less kind of, you know. Hey, they had an extra week, though. Rob, I'd love them to run the triple option against Oklahoma because when I was a kid, triple option. When I was a kid, the triple option, the wishbone, that was what everybody ran, just like everybody runs spread passing offense. I mean, when I was a kid, everybody ran triple option, and I loved it. I mean, there's the Flexbone Wallhawks. I used to watch them, the Mason Punchers. I watched them. Don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of it. 
a lot of deception. It's really hard to to defend against, but man, to be able to implement that in a week and maybe a half. I think Rob is joking. I know, so and am I. Jo- but and we're joking. I know. Yeah. But I, but I would love to see. Uh, it, I would love it, it, to see some some good old fashioned triple option football. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love Navy and Army games. So. Uh, oh, absolutely. They're Air huge. Force. Uh, here's a question. Do you think Tech can use Jordan Brooks as a spy on Jalen Hurts? You know, it wouldn't surprise me because he was he, last year or last last year, uh, last week against Khalil Tate. Yeah, he was spying on Khalil Tate a lot. And, you know, that Khalil Tate popped one for 80 for 84 yard touchdown, as we all know. But uh, outside of that, Khalil Tate carried the ball 16 times for 45 yards. And so so it worked uh, largely worked last week. So it wouldn't. You know, it wouldn't surprise me this week. The thing about it, though, is uh, Oklahoma has such so many good running backs with Kennedy Brooks and Trey, Trey Sermon. Sermon, and then they have the JUCO transfer Ramadre. Ramadre, you're 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 on your own island on that. I <laughs> I, like, I, I, I can't remember his name. But I mean, uh, they're averaging eight point two yards per carry. Yeah, eight point two yards per carry. So I don't know. Jordan, is Jordan Brooks an effective spy? Yeah, because he did it well against Khalil Tate. Will they be able to do it against Oklahoma? I don't know because there's so many guys to account for. Well, not only that, but then he, again, uh, Khalil Tate, great athlete, great player. Jalen Hurts throws so much better than him. <laughs> yeah, oh you yeah. You know, like that's sure. the thing. Like I, you'll watch him, but the thing is, is as you said, Don, you have to account for every playmaker that's on there. Yes, Jalen Hurts is one, but if you can at least contain him in the pocket, that takes away one. After that, then you have to deal with the CD Lamb, or as you mentioned, some of the other guys as well that can make some plays for them. And the the one thing that does interest me is can Texas Tech get some uh, pressure on that offensive line because it. It's not as stout as it's been in previous years. Well, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point because that was the big question about Oklahoma going into this season was they lost four of their five offensive yep. line starters. The only guy they have back is the center, Creed Humphrey, who's, mm-hmm. one, who's maybe the best center in the Big 12. And he was hurt early on too. Yeah, but beyond that, it's all new starters on the offensive line. So, he, so I think going into the season, people thought, okay, maybe if there's a cheek in Oklahoma's armor, maybe the offensive line will take take a while to gel. But you know what? It hadn't happened yet. We talked about. It. I mean, they're averaging 324 yards on the ground, and uh, Hertz is the nation's leader in passing efficiency. And I just looked, uh, I just looked it up actually, just a few minutes ago. Uh, Oklahoma's only given up two sacks so far. So, yep. of course, they haven't – you know, they played Houston, which has not been great. They played South Dakota. Can't really take much from that. Played UCLA, not a very good football team, regardless of what they did against Washington State. So, maybe it would be nasty for, if you're Texas Tech to be able to sack Jalen Hurts three or four times, especially in some third-down situations. Bill Biedenbaugh is pretty good, though. He's a pretty good offensive line oh, coach. Oh, yeah, for so, sure. But go ahead. Kind of following along those lines, is Khalil Tate faster than Jalen Hurts? He is, yeah. He's faster. Yeah. But the thing about Kyler Murray's probably the fastest out of all three for anyone that I cares. Agree. Kyler uh, Murray's effing fast. I would rank Murray one, Tate two, Tate two, and then Hurts would be behind them. The thing about Hurts, though, is Hurts is a big guy. Yes. And runs hard. Yep. And we, t- we just talked about how Oklahoma's – Leading the nation in yards per carry and second in rushing offense, and yep. Hertz is actually the leading rusher, even with more yards than Brooks or Brooks or uh, Sermon. Hertz has uh, three hundred seventy-three yards and four touchdowns on the ground. So, once again, try and contain him. Even if he's not the fastest guy, he's fast enough. Yep. 
David Collier, our friend from KMAC. Ah, there he is. Watch David Collier on Red Raider Nation each yes. weeknight at 6 and 10. There ha- you go, David. You ha- owe me for that. Hashtag shameless plug, because I love him. <laughs> I love all of them. I think David is, uh, David is uh, kind of pulling our leg here, too, like Rob was. David said, Texas Tech ate magical peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when they knocked off Oklahoma in 2011. What's your go-to snack or meal before writing an amazing column? I mean, I just had some Durango's Mexican food tonight, David. Oh, Lord. I don't, know if I don't know if that'll help my column writing abilities, but I highly endorse it. I'm all about unpaid endorsements tonight, am I not? Hey, you know what? <laughs> I'm all for it, Don. I don't care. You know, I, I like, you know what else? I mean, I, I could say a nice big old, big old, uh, I don't know what, what you call it, but your little container where you put your uh, Dr. Pepper, your RC Cola in. You always like to enjoy a nice little chug. Yeah, too much. Too much RC Cola. You're right. A little caffeine. Yeah. Uh, okay, we breezed through all the questions that I had. Did you? Did anything else show up that you saw, Carlos? Uh, actually, I, I did. I was doing another thing here, but let's see if I can find it real quick as we do some great podcasting at this We're point. kind of working on a condensed time frame tonight because uh, we're doing this right before our uh, – we're taping this right before our deadline on a Wednesday night. That we are, which means I'm going to get in trouble at some point, but you know what? It's all about the people, Don. Um, oh, this was more of a joke from Michael Labar, former uh, – Our friend Michael Labar. Shout out help. to Michael Labar. Is it too late to bring back our Lord and Savior, Colt Garrett? Uh, I think probably so, although Colt is uh, Colt is at Angelo State right now. Who is undefeated and beat the heck out of every team that they've played, if I remember correctly, because that team is really good. I don't know what happened. Uh, all of a sudden you get a, a new head coach in Jeff Gersh, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't know, they're just world beaters this year. I haven't looked up what, uh, what Angelo, their individual stats. I don't know who's playing quarterback at Angelo State, but... Uh, but Cole Garrett, the guy who's uh, moved around, played a lot of played played high school football, played junior high football for the Guthrie Jaguars, Guthrie and also Jaguars. for Sam Harrell with the Brownwood Lions when he was a freshman and sophomore, and then came to Roosevelt, and then a couple of years at Texas Tech, and uh, kind of being buried on the depth chart, he moved along to Angelo State this year. Well, speaking of former Texas Tech quarterbacks, Payne Sullins is their starter. There you go. <laughs> so there you go. You got him and uh, some guy named Charlie Rotherham. What is what's Payne Sullins doing? Uh, uh, in three games, numbers. he's completed fifty nine passes out of eighty eight attempts and had nine touchdowns and one interception. So Good not for too him. bad. Good for him. Not Good too to see bad. I have success. Hundred seventy two point six zero passer rating. That's not, not bad. too shabby. And again, I mean, more power to those guys. If you can't, if you can't quite play at this level, drop yep. down a level and uh, have fun. Absolutely, absolutely. But again, appreciate all the time. It looks like we're actually going to get out ten minutes earlier than what we normally do. Don, we're literally at thirty minutes. That's so, what uh, I said. We'll have time to get the paper out tonight. Yeah, we will. Thankfully. So I guess that'll put a wrap on it. Then uh, I will be up in uh, Norman on Saturday along with Brad Tollison, our mm-hmm. EJ uh, media photographer. Carlos will be back here running the ship. Yeah. And uh, we appreciate everybody for. Uh, uh, weighing in with questions and conversation topic, topics always makes it more fun. And uh, I guess we will, uh, for, for Carlos, I'm Don Williams. We will talk to you again soon.